Welcome to BuildCast, where we delve into the backstories of experts and other players in the built environment to reveal their journey and how they got built. Join us in our conversation to learn from their life experiences, to be the catalyst for innovation, and to make sustainable building mainstream building. Now here is your host and the principal thinker at Build Tank Inc., Robbie Schwartz. Molly Butts is the Managing Director of the Structural Building Components Association. She is also the host of the Lumber Connection Podcast. The Lumber Connection Podcast focuses on the latest trends in the North American lumber markets. Each week, experts Justin Binning and Ken Timmons, lumber traders with the American International Forest Products, provide insights into the latest trends and many factors impacting the supply and demand of the lumber used in structural components. Although I don't buy lumber or build roof or floor trusses and the like, I began getting the SBCA newsletter and started listening to the Lumber Connection podcast during the pandemic. I have found that the information and insights in both have helped me better understand the supply chain issues in the lumber industry, as well as those facing the entirety of the construction industry. In the podcast specifically, Molly, Justin, and Ken break down the current issues impacting lumber sales in about 15 minutes. So a quick listen has broadened my ability to speak to builders in a more educated way. I was really pleased to be able to speak with Molly, Justin, and Ken on the BuildCast to learn more about how they came together and are using their expertise to connect their listeners to lumber, but also the broader economic issues that are facing the construction industry on a larger level. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, this is Robbie Schwarz, and thanks so much uh, for listening to the BuildCast. Today, I have the great pleasure of speaking with the team from the Lumber Connection podcast. I'm really excited to be speaking with Molly Butts, who's the Managing Director of the Structural Building Components Association, Justin Binning, Lumber Trader at American International Forest Products, and Ken Timmons, Lumber Broker at American International Forest Products. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks hey, for Robert. having us today. Well, happy to be here. Thank you. Um, I want to start with Molly. And Molly, I see that you are the managing director of the SBCA. And I am wanting to get more information about what SBCA is, its mission, purpose, and so forth. Can you, can you fill us in? Absolutely, Robbie. So the Structural Building Components Association, or SBCA, is an international trade association, and we are comprised of component manufacturers of engineered structural building components, which is a mouthful, right? So what that basically means is that the bulk of our membership is manufacturers of wood trusses, floor trusses, and cassettes, wall panels, and we also represent the cold form steel truss manufacturers as well. Uh, but our membership is actually a little broader than that because it includes truss plate suppliers, um, equipment manufacturers and resellers, computer software companies, lumber folks like Ken and Justin here, uh, builders and also professional engineers and management folks and financial folks and marketing folks as well. So, um, and I just wanted to throw in, we're coming up on kind of an exciting anniversary. Uh, we were established in 1983, which makes 2023 our 40th year. Wow. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. And so um, you're trying to promote or give give structural component manufacturers um, a voice at what table or what sure. what are you trying to do for them? Sure. So our main mission, our primary purpose is to work with, collaborate with, help our our component manufacturer members just secure the knowledge and the power to really successfully run their business operations. And that can take shape in a lot of different ways. Um, education, advocacy, policy formation, uh, formulation, uh, technical help, products. Um, we have a new digital QC product coming out right now that we're getting people onboarded with. Uh, publications and services like that. News, we do a lot of curated news items. 
uh, events like our big component uh, component manufacturing show, which is in September this year, uh, and just a, a ton of stuff. But beyond that, our primary purpose is, is even more global, and that is just to educate the greater construction industry on the value of building components and, and keep helping our manufacturers expand their market share while elevating the influence that they're having, you know, with with people in the construction industry in general and and just sort of elevating all of it to this this standard of um, excellence in building. Yeah. So when you talk about structural components, uh, I know uh, one of the things you mentioned were trusses, but yeah. are there other structural components that um, your your organization kind of focuses on? Yeah, I mean, the thing people often think of is uh, roof trusses, you know, so instead of rafters, we uh, pre-build all of the trusses in a controlled manufacturing environment. Uh, but that also includes floor trusses and then also wall panels, which, you know, you think, oh, walls, you know, how hard, hard can that be? But honestly, there is a lot that goes into building a wall appropriately. And if you can have them, you know, shipped in order to a job site and then pulled off and put up in matters of moments instead of being hand built on site, you can imagine the amount of time you're saving with that kind of a thing. Um, and then the other thing we're starting to see a lot more of is like full cassettes, like floor cassettes. So you'll have numerous trusses with actual like floor decking and other things sometimes that go on them as well. Uh, sometimes they'll even have like all of the other plumbing and electrical things pre-installed in them. So they're really just a simple drop into place. Um, so there's there's just been a lot of expansion in what the component manufacturing groups can do to make building easier and faster and more efficient because you're not relying on good weather, skilled labor, some of that thing, you know, that sort of thing out on the job site. Uh, so components really can go a long way in, you know, excellent structures, but also in time savings and efficiency and even, you know, energy conservation as well. Yeah. And the continued boom of an interest in modular housing must really be a boon for your organization. It can be. A lot of our manufacturers are um, residential, so multifamily, you know, small multifamily residential, uh, individual residential. There certainly is some commercial. And then, yes, we definitely have folks that are involved in the modular housing group as well. Great. Now, you have a pretty varied background that um, I don't know if it included construction uh, in it. How did, how did you, what was your trajectory to uh, this industry and to this organization? Yeah, my particular career progression has been kind of interesting. Um, in the last, say, 18 months or so, SBCA has gone through a transition from being managed by a third party company to having its own staff. But um, I came from association work at the original third party company as a graphic designer and a front end web developer. Um, so and and anyone that's been a part of an association or any other not for profit group knows that you can say whatever it is you think your job is, but you're still going to wear a lot of hats. So, you know, I did everything from designing marketing materials and websites to like helping people develop safety programs and helping manage our committees. So it got to the point where I was doing a lot more project management than project work. And so when it came time for the, the SBCA to start hiring immediate staff, I was brought on as managing director just because, you know, 19 plus years of experience can provide a lot of help in those situations. Um, and that's that's sort of the technical trajectory of how I got here. But I have been in the industry for almost 20 years now. So I feel like it kind of is my career at this point, even though there certainly were a couple of jobs before that. But I just really enjoy the variety of work that an association provides on a day-to-day -day basis. And I really even more enjoy the people, not just my immediate staff who are an excellent, excellent crew, but just the people in the, in the association as members. Um, they're just, they're really some of the smartest and kindest and funniest people you'll ever meet. They're patient. They've been friends. They've been mentors. They're really just, they're the salt of the earth person that anyone would want to be friends with and, and, and be in the company of. And I'm so thankful that I get to have that. Yeah, very cool. The uh, SBCA has created a couple podcasts yeah. and the local connection is, is one of them. Uh, can yeah. you kind of tell me the, the impetus for uh, the creation of the Lumber Connection podcast? 
Yeah, absolutely. So Lumber Connection actually came out of a strategic planning process that SBCA went through about three years ago. The goal, obviously, to identify some of the top priorities for folks in the association, its members, and all of the other people that help us along the way. Um, and so we had five strike forces that we created, um, and each one of them tackled something. And the the second strike force tackled um trying to figure out how to help our members with the decision-making processes surrounding lumber, because it can be tricky sometimes, and I'm sure Ken and Justin will talk a little bit more about that. And honestly, this was all decided before the lumber industry became what it has in the last, what, couple of years at this point. Um, but just sort of like, you know, having a consistent voice where we could get some experts, in this case, Ken and Justin, who would just provide that sort of ongoing commentary on a weekly or bi-weekly basis to sort of look at lumber short term because looking long term wasn't wasn't helpful in the moment and people needed to know what to do sort of week to week and so here we are today yeah so the your audience is is primarily manufacturers it sounds like uh, yep uh, our component manufacturers is definitely our primary audience although i know there are other people that listen that that get a significant amount of value just in hearing what ken and justin have to say because obviously lumber spans greater than just component manufacturing so they're bringing a lot of value really across the board yeah yeah i mean my my interest uh came you know, obviously during the pandemic and seeing the the huge fluctuation in commodity pricing for for all, you know, not just lumber, but insulation and kind of all building materials and whatnot. And I found found your podcast and found it really interesting to try to figure out what was, you know, just going on there. Do you think that uh, lumber tracks well with the other commodities that are used in um, building houses? That's a good question. And I think this might be a good opportunity for Ken and Justin to step in, but I will say, I think a lot of the various products experienced and continue to experience these fluctuations, um, not only in availability, but in pricing. Uh, the pandemic obviously turned a lot of things on its head. I'm sure one of the things we'll talk more about is uh, transportation, for instance, uh, and labor, of course, and the ability to produce the products. Um, and so I think, you know, lumber is really just one of the things that was affected, um, especially when it comes to other, like further into the construction process with finishing products like windows and doors and plumbing and that kind of thing too. But um, Ken and Justin, you, may, you guys might have some more to share about how you know, what sorts of tracking uh, your company is doing and, you know, what you guys are seeing as well. Well, you you did a phenomenal job, Molly. I don't, I don't even think I need to say anything. I mean, you, you just nailed it. Uh, well, you yeah. taught me well, guys. Yeah, you've been listening. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, I, uh, yeah, go yeah. ahead, Rob. Um, I was just curious how um, you f might feel that lumber and the fluctuation in, in commodity pricing and whatnot with lumber tracks with uh, the other commodities that are used in uh, the construction industry. Yes. So uh, American, you know, just a, a quick background. We've been in business since 1964, um, specializing in, in the wholesale side of commodity lumber. We, we, when the company was first founded, uh, Spruce was really our main product that we sourced and traded out of um, Western Canada. Since then, over the years, obviously, we've evolved. Uh, we've got eight different departments with different products. Um, so to answer your question, we do get, we are privy to see in real time uh, when we talk panels or um, uh, steel products, galvanized mm -hmm. tube, tube and piping. Um, Industrials, sidings, industrial siding, millwork products. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and to answer your question, um, to keep things relatively short, yes, we've absolutely seen a rise in all products and and the trajectory and pacing together. Um, and Molly obviously touched on a ton of of those points with supply chain issues, constraints. Um, but I also think that one thing is that you know, and, I'm, and maybe I'm getting off course a little bit, but so much. Uh, was lost from our industry over the past two decades. Um, we're really playing catch up in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, and I think it was 2017, 18, you, you may have seen it on some news 
uh, organizations talking about the housing and how we're set for the super cycle. Right? And everybody started talking about the super cycle in housing. Um, we saw a little bit of that with, with obviously a huge jump in pricing and, and rush for lumber in 2018. And then we saw the big crash as well. We saw the other side of it. Um, we had pent up demand. That super cycle is just a little bit early. Um, again, that, that, that two decades, if you're going back to the mid 2000s with the uh, housing crash, we yeah. lost so much infrastructure and we had so much consolidation throughout our industry. Um, we've fought ever since then to, to get that back from really every, every channel. Um, and we're still not there. Um, and we've had great demand. And then again, I mean, we've, we've touched on all these kind of headwinds we, we've been facing. Um, it's just created a real, truly, I think, a basic econ 101 situation of supply and demand. Um, mm -hmm. Not enough supply and demand through the roof. Um, a lot of money floating around. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, quote unquote, cheap money. Um, and uh, what we've what we've experienced is obviously unprecedented, but it's not gone away. Even though we've seen some emotion taken out of the trade, it's still extremely volatile. And, and we're kind of awaiting for the next emotional kind of uh, move, per se. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm kind of off, off topic on your question, but... I wanted to give you a little bit of background on what we do and, and specifically, but long story short, yes, we've seen um, a lot of um, price inflation that has coincided with, with the cost of lumber, without a doubt, across many products. Great. And you're right in the, the mix of that, being a lumber trader. So what um, what is a lumber trader and, and how, do, how do you become a lumber trader and why would you become a lumber trader? Wait, wait, I'll, let, I'll let Kenny grab at least start with this one. He's he's got a what, <clears throat> you're five years behind me, yeah, I guess, I'm, from I'm, a trading perspective. He's cool. younger, better looking, faster. Um, yes, I did have the pleasure of of getting to train him um, and let his you know his kind of natural abilities take over. But I did have a little bit of say in in the the uh, fine young trader he's beginning. So I'll shut up. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah, so great intro there by Justin. I'm five years in the business, um, went through our little internship, apprenticeship, learn how to be a lumber trader, supplier, broker, master of the lumber world program. Did have to pass the donut test first though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eat contest, <laughs> make sure he's he's viable. So right, bring pass that. Stuff to an office. Six yeah. crispy cream donuts in less than a minute. I think it yeah, was correct. So that was good. Correct. That's yeah, my boy. Yeah. It was like it was it was <laughs> right out of one of the movies. Here I am, a little economics student from college, at a trading floor taking an interview. Next thing I know, there's 40 guys huddled around me, screaming, throwing money while I eat donuts. And I walked out with a job, and here we are, five years later, and it's going really good. I love this industry. Not like the best interview ever. For it was it was you know it was not bad. Um, well, but it, it honestly was kind of a funny scenario, right? Because anyone who's listening to this podcast has recognized this can be a very fun, humble, good time crowd and industry, you know, whether you're a lumber guy or a steel guy or you're a framer, or you're, you know, forklift or GM or whatever you're right. Like this is an industry that gravitates toward good, honest, integrity filled people. Uh, and it was just kind of a funny match in that interview. It was like, okay, he gets it. We get him like, all right, let's go. And you know what? I, th I think uh, not to hop on my soapbox here, but I think I am a younger guy. I'm 27. I started right out of school. I think it's pretty rare that young people um, feel confident in what they're doing and know that they're in the right spot. And I feel very blessed and thankful to know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. So it has been a great career path. Um, and to answer your question, what is a lumber trader? Uh, it is like no job I have ever seen before. And it's incredible. I would say it's, it's kind of a multifaceted deal. You're a market analyst, right? Just like a stockbroker would be watching stocks and bonds and, you know, that sort of thing. We are analyzing the lumber market. Um, we truly are a supplier in the sense that you'd think of a supplier of any of the products, um, just like a, a sawmill or, or, you know, the local lumberyard down the street, if you're making a shelf, you know, for your kid's dorm room right? We're suppliers. Um, you know, we are buyers of material, which can be difficult. We're salespeople of material, which has its own challenges. We're 
logistics experts um, and even have a, a rail team and a trucking team in our office here. Um, you know, we're credit professionals. It's you wear a lot of different hats, um, you know, and definitely a relationship style business that over time, you know, you kind of snowball with your momentum and capacity to trade. No different than, you know, you, you find your you got your lunch pail in third grade and you sit down at a table and you think, you know what? My mom gave me a ho-ho's again, and I really want Jimmy's Doritos, but Jimmy wants Sally's pretzels, right? So now you got to, you, yes. you got to roll up your sleeves, work hard and find the way to trade what you want, but you can't trade until you're sitting at a table. So when it, you know, you kind of got to, you got to do your, do your due diligence of finding the right people to um, decide to trade with that you, that you can provide value to, Right, because um, it's at, uh, it's a business where you very much need to be helping the people you work with, right? No one's gonna trade with you if they think Doritos are worse than Ho Hos, right? So you got to find a way to solve multiple people's problems at the same time, um, you know, kind of kind of find the greatest good for the whole table um, in general, which would be the market. So. Um, Kind of crazy I, circle, circle way to answer that question. Yeah. I love the insight I'm getting into why it is that there are food analogies in all of our lumber connections. And now today, like this started with donuts and I, I get it finally. Yes. <laughs> well, we, we have to set, set the precedence, you know, because we're, we're a food. There's a lot of food that floats around here and it, it needs yeah. a good home. And we need traders that are going to find a good home for that. Correct. If they can't do that, how are they going to find a good home for a load of two by four sixteen. Correct. You know? So valid, very valid. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it kind of sounds like uh, it's it's a lot more hands on than kind of stock market type training that you you or you're almost physically talking with one person and facilitating a trade to another person or another company uh, more directly than sitting on a, a, a computer screen and bidding on bidding on pieces of wood to move from one place to the other place. Is that, is that kind of a correct thought or is, yeah. is, is it more? Yeah. yeah, I would say you're, 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 you're on, yes, you're on the right track, Robbie. We, so, you know, we've got 30 traders on our floor, right? Um, a few of those traders in each department representing a different product, uh, product line. And so our communication with our fellow traders is just as vital as it is with our customers. And the reason being, I always like to say, I really feel like we're ultimately in an information business. There's lots of people that sell lumber, right? You can, if you want to buy a truckload of lumber, you, you can pretty easily find five to or four to eight people to, you could call that would get you a price on some lumber. Um, and again, I, I ultimately say the information piece because that's what drives our, our customers forward, right? It's how they're managing their business to the future and how do they position themselves accordingly. Um, and the information that we bring, the scope and scale that we provide um, is deep, right? So we're, we're, we're covering the entire United States. We're covering Canada, um, both from a pr production standpoint, i.e. meaning buying product from the sawmill, so sourcing product, and then ultimately selling it to the end user or, or uh, buyer of product. So that's all the way from Miami, Florida, up to New York, to the corner of Washington from a sales perspective. I mean, you know, everywhere. And so the scope and scale that we, we see um, and the fact that we're in the trade, you know, 12 hours a day, I always joke we're always working because it's I may be in the office for 12 hours, but I'm, I'm always plugged in. Um, we like to say that we see it before it happens, right? Or we can see trends forming. Um, we see the issues as they unfold and we can get our customers that information in real time. Um, so again, they can manage their business to the, to the best of their ability. Um, Great. Yeah. And um, I noticed that Justin, your, um, title i guess is lumber trader and ken's title is lumber broker is there really a, uh, what's the difference between a trader probably and who entered it um so you know if you, if you if you go and we're brokers traders um kind of the old school term i'd say maybe is more a lumber trader um uh, but we can be viewed as a broker as well um 
that broker term comes, right? We're a wholesaler, right? We're just the middle guy. Um, yes, those, those outfits do exist. Um, again, at American International, we're, we're more than just a middleman. Um, we have stake in the game. Uh, we pride ourselves on being an ownership company and owning lumbers, owning lumber um, all the time, owning values because we see them as values and we know our customers' needs. Um, so not only the information, but we also act as a, a uh, credit source, right, to a, for a lot of our mills. There's a lot of mills that can't service customers that we can service, right, from a from a cash or, co or, or credit perspective. Yeah. Um, so that's another role that we play. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ken, do you have anything to... No, I think that's phenomenally well said. Yeah, I, I'm sure... Uh... I probably thought broker was a cool term when I filled out my LinkedIn at 23 years old or something like that. But truthfully, yeah, it's 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 all one and the same, right? You know, there's 30 of us on the floor with our sleeves rolled up to the same height doing the same work. Yeah, right? traders, you know? brokers, yeah. Correct. Some guys got shovels, other guys are on I the floor. I kind of changed mine to lumber guy or lumber yeah. dude. You yeah. Know? Just lumber wrangler. Strug struggling artist. I don't know. Yeah. Something. Right yeah. You're my lumber bros. My lumber, lumber bros. Lumbros, yeah. Lumbros. <laughs> So it, it sounds like you're buying directly from the mills, maybe holding that lumber for a little bit and then reselling it to, um, I thought originally you were reselling it to maybe lumber yards and whatnot, but probably to directly to the manufacturers of trusses and floor trusses and other assemblies. Yeah, it's a good, good question, um, Kenny. I mean, we, we cover it all from a user perspective for the most part outside of maybe big box stores. Yeah, I'd say the net we spread is incredible, and it has grown in my time here. But when I showed up, the stat I was told was our company and our sister companies touch 25% of all lumber used in the nation, right? Which is really an incredible volume of lumber. Um, yeah, it does. Uh, we really do touch whether it's a manufacturer, lumberyard, um, independent dealer, right? Uh, distribution, trust. It could be, yeah. If they're buying truckloads of lumber, Robbie, we'd like to talk to them or rail cars. I mean, that's that's kind of the bottom line. I mean, that's that's the customer base Correct. that we sell. The Home Depot, the big box, they're, they're they yeah, sure they buy a lot of lumber, but they require a lot of um, a level of service that we just we can't provide. We can't barcode individual sticks. Um, mm -hmm. You know that that type of trade is very coveted to a to the sawmill. It's generally contracted. Um, and they do a lot of little things that we can't do. Um, but we, again, we, you know, yes, to answer your question, if we see the position where we like the market, yes, we'll take the long position. Absolutely. Um, we're also, though, a stocking distributor, right? So I've got wood on the ground all over the United States um, 365 days a year to service my customers, regardless markets up, markets down, doesn't matter. I've got wood on the ground to, to support the customer base that we've built. Um, so more, more than a like, Oh, buy low, sell high. Like we're, we're in the trade every single day. Um, and we, 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 we give a unbiased opinion on our, on the market. Um, now I may own wood, the market's going to go down. The last thing I want to do is tell a potential customer or a good or a customer that uh, the market's going up because I want to sell my wood. Because what happens, Robbie? You, you're not doing business for very long. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just not a good model. And so up, down, or whatever, we're there for our customers. If we can provide faster shipping, better pricing um, that fits their needs based on their terms and how they need to buy their lumber, we try to be able to. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Navigate or do whatever we have to do to really fit the model and what our customers' needs are for our customers. Yeah, I would I would say uh, almost the term trader definitely describes it well, but it's almost misleading. I mean, it's it would be like uh, Justin and I are both the purchasing agents for the companies we represent. You know, we're also sales agents for the mills we represent. I mean, I would love to have a double a, a X polo shirt on my trading floor with all my company logos like I was a NASCAR team, right? Yeah. Like those are the people who I'm advocating for within our trading floor. 
Um, you know, because that isn't a, a, You'd need some food sponsors too, though. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Krispy Kreme Krispy would probably Kreme put one, sure. yeah, on, yeah. on the call of mine. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, certainly. But, um, you know, so like, like I, uh, the guys I work with, I frequently tell them, like, hey, man, I am your best employee. I'm looking out for you night and day. You don't pay my health insurance, right? I'm free unless if you're only, you're only using me as an employee if I'm saving you money. Right. Like it's and that really is how I feel like I genuinely feel like these businesses purchasing agent or inventory manager yep. or, um, you know, weather balloon at times. Like, oh, shoot, we don't know what's going on. Let's send Ken into the lion's den, see if he gets elbowed and jumped or not. OK, yeah, it didn't go well, Ken. All right, we'll try again tomorrow, bud. Right. You know, so uh, it's. Uh, yeah, almost lumber advocate, yeah. really, because a lot of the time you know, and not to get too deep into it, but right. Like, um, it's more than just, Oh, here, we got to go find bread, milk, and eggs. Okay. For one guy, but the other guy needs potatoes, tomatoes, and corn. Okay. You're going to go to the grocery store and get all that in one. And you're going to get better groceries or better deals on groceries at Costco than Seven Eleven, Right. So there's, there's a lot of, um, what's the level of service. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. But, uh, yeah. Sorry, I, I messed up. Your <clears throat> no, 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 That's no, no. My bad. I got, the, I got the point out. I take responsibility yeah. for that. And, and I think Robbie too, just to finish with this. I mean, ultimately, we're a relationship business. Um, and that's, I think, when I got in the business ten years. Well, I guess it was, gosh, I guess that was almost twelve years ago. This September, um, I was definitely in awe. I was thirty years old when I got into the business. I had some prior sales experience, um, and coming in here. It was something like I'd never seen before. Um, the way that people work together, um, the, the the lumber business as a whole. Like I watched this guy, I'm you know shadow have a shadow day, and you know the guy does like you know half million dollars worth of business on the phone in 60 seconds with some guy, you know, and the guy's like, yeah, I'll take it, you know, put it on Bob 01, and I'm like, that's crazy. Like that's that's binding deal you just did like that's yep it is and so this old school kind of uh feel like it's one of the last businesses where it's got this like trust true partnership true par partnership and trust and it's like you can't buy a five thousand dollar used car robbie without doing three hours of paperwork you yeah. know what i mean but but you can buy uh five cars of rail lumber with bob one uh, right. and that's right. that's good you write, it, you write it on a crayon in the bar on the napkin, and that is a legal contract. And if you lost that napkin, it's still a legal contract because you said it. So pretty pretty neat um, and super blessed to be in this industry. It's a, it's a, To see how my life has changed and grown over the last 12 years, um, obviously as a man and a husband and a father in those cool ways, but also as a businessman and having the, the ability to meet the people that I have over the years and build the relationships I've had. The people I do business with aren't just my customers; they're my friends. Very, very cool. And then that's that's unique to I think the the construction industry to a large extent, like you were saying, as well. Um, so when I guess my question from what you've said is, how stable is the price to the end user? Um, it, I think your model is trying to take the fluctuation out of the, the the commodity pricing so that the pricing stays more stable they're not they're not uh, having to to buy you know uh, you know ten dollar stick lumber one week and you know hundred dollar stick lumber uh, the next week is, does that sound reasonable to explanation of what you're trying to do? yeah to, to some degree I, I I think it all depends on that particular person's model in business and every business is a little bit different and how they they approach business um, and how they turn their lumber and, and how they um, go about either their inventory or um, you know if they're building it off an order file whether it's trust and they've got six month order file and they, they like a certain price range that we want to try to achieve um, so I think it's it's tough to say on an overall blanket statement because um, I think everybody's just a little bit different and every and that's why what I think we do is so cool because we can really 
try and hit and and be different for each customer how they need us to be yeah okay and so with with the background that you've given us um what of this information are you trying to really get forward to your audience on the lumber connection well so when we made this group the week before COVID happened while we were at the, <laughs> that meeting in miami um, which is probably the best place to be the week before COVID happened. What, what the members of the SBCA communicated that their hopes for with the podcast were um, is kind of where their metaphoric blind spots are in their business, right? Because our, our uh, key audi audience, our listeners, these component manufacturers, honestly, I'm impressed with each one of them individually a ton. They're phenomenal at doing what they do in that lane, uh, like one one vein in the whole um, the whole system, right? But they want to see what the rest of the body is doing. They want to see the rest of the market, what not necessarily just component manufacturers are doing. What about other manufacturers? What about builders, lumber yards, right? Exporters, whatever it might be. Um, so things like they don't necessarily get as much exposure to sawmills like we do. Um, amounts of production coming on or, or being curtailed or new mills were opening very actively before the whole COVID pandemic and labor became as strapped as it is. Of course, it was difficult as to start. we're losing mills out of Canada, of course, too. Right, so, right. Logistics. Right, yeah, um, exactly. Truck, maybe they know how the truck rate is for the neighborhood mill 30 miles up the road, but how's trucking across the country? What about long hauls or, or different uh, Are there advantages in Yellow Pine coming from a different zone versus a spread where we've got cheaper product out of the central that can now go to the West and actually save our customers money? They haven't maybe thought of that because they're used to doing business one certain way. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe you're, uh, you're a certain type of Doug Fur user in, in Idaho but uh, New York's about to thaw out and that's also a dug for market, but you're not thinking about what that market might be influencing the wood you buy. You know, there's all sorts of different, um, different things like that, that our, our um, component manufacturing audience was communicating they wanted. And I think that's something we nailed. Um, the food analogies are an added plus. Everyone's really excited about sure. those. Spongy at times. But that's that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, so, it's kind of a work in progress. We do get uh, listeners sending questions, and I encourage everyone who listens to send in questions uh, because not everybody that listens to the podcast is the lumber buyer of their company, right? We yeah. get lots of designers or foremen or, you yeah. know, right. I have people all the time that say, hey, you're you're that guy. And I think, wow, man, I'm so thankful you're listening to this podcast. That's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have, do you think you have a lot of uh, builders that listen to your podcast and, um, if so, what, how's that audience different, do you think? Tough to say. I, I do know we're kind of, we're, we're in the process of maybe starting to look at numbers a little bit more and maybe we can get some more data to maybe see who is actually, you know, you know, if we can even break it down by segments and who's listening or, you know, where those people fall in. But um, the only thing I can really say is that the feedback has been great. Um, and we've had a lot of people from, uh, different parts of the lumber business actually like yourself uh reach out to us to um you know we didn't even think like someone in that particular you know sector was listening or maybe it's a custom home builder or um but we just had i guess just a lot of uh, outpouring of positive feedback um and again we try to keep it short sweet we try to touch on the main topics we try yeah. to obviously kind of cover what we where we came from from the past two weeks what we're seeing today, and ultimately what we would try to advise or expect uh, uh, what we think may happen in the short term. And as we've gone through this, that that window feels like it's gotten smaller and smaller um, um, in making more longer term production predictions just due to the uh, volatility of the time and time and age we're, we're doing this at right now. Yeah. Tougher, maybe, tough is it going to be, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe a, a better way to, to ask my question is it, it seems to me that um, large, especially large national production builders uh, would really be interested in the information that you're imparting on your podcast. And so I was wondering, what do you think um, of the information and insights that you're sharing 
would best uh, resonate with the builders? What what type of information that you're sharing would best resonate with with those builders? That's a phenomenal question, Robbie. Uh, you know, well, you know, it ultimately goes down to that's it's. Um, I mean, I hope they can take the information that we give and it helps them. I mean, ultimately, that's it. I mean, but I think our our actual customer is the one that's reporting, you know, would be reporting that information to their customer, uh, which is the builder, right? So that's not someone that we're going to sell direct or, or um, so it's a question that is kind of tricky to answer in a way. Right. Um, but ultimately, it's just a channel of information. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just one one step away in the supply chain. Right. Right. And they're all important steps, not to say the wrist and the elbow and the shoulder are all, you know, one's super important and the other's not, but you know, I would say that's wrist to shoulder, right? We're kind of missing the elbow there and we mostly do our business with the elbow. But, but yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I think it's the information that we give, I, I, if it can help them fantastic, you know, but I think we're really trying to predicate it towards Correct. The, the, the customer base that we're, ultimately um dealing with on a day in and day out basis and really i mean the podcast is is uh more of a macro perspective right bigger picture obviously for antitrust purposes we can't be getting specific on prices numbers uh to the nitty-gritty of course everyone's always welcome just to give us a shout and you know we always can advise specific to your your shop your products you know we can we cannot we're always more than happy to get um, you know, down and dirty on that sort of thing. So I'd say, you know, a builder could definitely find value in the overall kind of tone and trend of what we're seeing and forecasting, right? Because uh, that's probably the most important part is is kind of the forecast and how our barometer for how we're feeling the next two weeks until we record again will be. Yeah. 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 You think of like, a, like the FEA or something or economic advisors. I mean, those are guys that are trying to pin the the longer term trend and looking at the not only the macro, but the micro um, and uh, making their assertions on a longer term trend. I feel like we're our scope is is a little um, shorter, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, on, guys, I can I could jump in here just quickly, Robbie, because one of the things that we've done is we have a couple of avenues where we work fairly closely with some folks at NAHB as well. So that's obviously more of that that group. And what we noticed is that when they promote, when they promoted our, you know, podcast sort of early on, our, our listenership grew, but it didn't shrink back. So that makes me really feel like those folks started listening and they never stopped. Yeah, they're definitely seeing value uh, in that information. Yeah. And I think it uh, probably comes into trending and, and just trying to stay on top of the trend. And if, if their prices are going to go up and and uh, how, how they're gonna ultimately price their end product there. Um, so we've, we're hopefully living through the end of this kind of COVID era that we've, we've lived through. Um, I found it really interesting to find your podcast during uh, COVID and kind of listen to it uh, as we migrated through uh, this COVID era. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the the lumber market uh, trajectory through COVID? And uh, you often talk about the trade between Canada and, and the U.S. and other things. Can you give us a little idea of what happened historically and, and where we're at now? Oh, I'd say, uh, you know, I wasn't <clears throat> I wasn't alive in the early 70s, late 70s. But it kind of reminds me of those Disneyland rides that you hear that they had to uninstall they were so crazy i mean when COVID happened the lumber market completely fell bottomless pit for two months 60 days right it, it was very very bleak the world was ending as were a lot of industries yeah um obviously when it became an essential business things really turned around and it rallied hard um you know i remember when i first started in 17 the the 18 market was the craziest market of all time no one had ever seen anything like it and then uh, 2020 happened and, and said hold my beer watch this right i mean it went crazy for 14 months really before um what was the the hardest and quickest drop in lumber price history as long as lumber pricing has been available um 
you know, so highly, highly volatile with large moving swings. The trend was so momentous in both directions. Since then, we've had uh, smaller runs up and down, not to the scale or magnitude of that 14-month, you know, beginning year and a half of COVID. Um, but the market still remains highly volatile and highly emotional. Um, the trade has changed from, you know, guys would take larger positions in lumber, you know, a quarterly buy or a, or a half annual, you know, biannual buy was not unheard of. Now people play it much closer to the vest. It, you know, after that, correct. Yeah. One month, maybe less in some spots, two months is a ton of inventory sometimes. Um, and not to say that everyone is only carrying three to five weeks of inventory. That's not true. But, um, you know, just the, we went from ordering big, uh, gigantic burgers to now everyone orders tapas, right? Little plates, quick plates. When can I get my quick little plate? We'll order another plate. Let's go. The just in time model. Correct. Yeah. yeah the, the strategy has changed, um, you know, which is, uh, it's an interesting changing dynamic of the trade that. Well, I think your question, your question is another two hour podcast. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, it's, it's like, where do I, where do you begin? I mean, it's, it's been utter madness. We've seen $2,000 wood. We saw a stretch from 200, uh, right around $200 to $2,000, right? In the span of, of less than two and a half years, um, yeah. breaking any record. I mean, it's just, out of this world, insane, crazy, madness. There's not enough adjectives to describe what we've gone through um, this year with with many things. Lumber, uh, lumber, not uh, you know, obviously one of the one of the forefronters. Uh, it's craziness. But you you, you lock, I mean, not lock. I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's not right. You put a bunch of people in their houses for a long time. They're bored. Um, they're going to remodel their house. They're, oh, they got time to redo the deck now. They redo the fence. It's sent at, uh, uh, and, and times that by a few million, right? Or several million. Um, you got some craziness ahead of you. Work from home. Um, you got cities. We, we, you know, crises that we had in, in urban cities all across the United States for months, um, causing people to get out of the city. Um, having moving because they're working at home now and they're working in the closet in their two bedroom apartment in downtown whereverville um, and they're saying well I can work from home now I'm, I'm gonna go 40 minutes out of the city and buy a three-bedroom house it's got an office and everything um, it created a surge uh, gosh what do you mean boss I can work from home forever now okay well I'm gonna live in Oregon for six months out of the year maybe three I recommend July through October <laughs> um, and then live in uh, Arizona and work from there the rest of the time. Uh, meanwhile, we're pumping and infusing tons of cash into the U.S. economy to, to keep it going. Um, you have interest rates at, at, at near historic lows throughout the time. It created this. And then again, I, I'm a comment earlier. We were already coming in to a very strong market regardless in 2020 and 2021 any economic advisor or fea or american international or whoever you want we're going to say the same thing right 1.2 1.3 million housing starts for single family we expect multifamily to be very good repair and remodel strong all indicators were pointing this all we did was take a uh a, a, a hundred gallon jug of gasoline and throw it on top um is what we did so um supply and the, the 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 constraints that we faced whether it was logistics you get mills that would shut down every other week because of a covid outbreak so you had constant production uh constraints you had everybody vying for in a good strong economy what moves around the u.s and out of the u.s a lot products goods what do those products and goods have to go on rail cars trucks uh what do we not have enough of and what have we lost over the last two decades Capacity, truck drivers, right? It wasn't anything to haul. They had to go learn another trade, do something else. So it created this perfect storm uh, that ultimately uh, ended up being what, you, what you've seen over the last two and a half years, which is absolute chaos, uncertainty, extreme volatility that we never could have expected. Um, you just felt like a spoke in the wheel and you're along for the ride and hold on. And, and uh, we stay close to our customers, try to give them the best information we can on a real time basis. So they can try to navigate those times, but 
um, again, like I said, that's a that's a big question um, with a ton of stuff we could, you know, <laughs> break down, I guess. But um, yeah. Well, it sounds like it's a, a perfect example of this disruption of the supply chain and yep. the effects of the of that disruption uh, just cascading. Uh, do you feel like we've come through it? Uh, are we we're, are things have settled down? I think it's a good word. Yes, I'm feeling that settling now with a a large side of uneasiness, big time. Um, we face a lot of headwinds right now, and they're on the forefront of a lot of people's minds with inflation, fuel costs, food costs, uh, potential food shortages, labor still an issue, um, logistics not going anywhere, going to be a problem. Six dollars a mile, so you know, five dollars. I mean. Crazy freight rates is all I'm trying to say. Get at there. Um, war. Um, I mean, I probably keep going. I'm probably missing some, but um, that's on a lot of people's minds, and they're very concerned about it in the forward months of this year. Um, yeah. We're kind of feeding off yesterday's business, per se, in a way. The business has been committed to. It's been financed, and it needs to get done. Um, and to Ken's point, when we talk about the where we've seen the market shift into really a JIT model, um, that's because no one, no one, there's there's not a there's a lack of confidence in long, in the long term trend um, staying where it has been. Um, we've got rising interest rates. We have the median home price now. I think just under four hundred thousand um, dollars. We've got you know crazy inflation. I mean the something's got to give at some point and there's a lot of people that feel like housing could be um a part of that and so there's there's some concern there yeah yeah um taking slightly a slightly different track i, I was curious um how much lumber is coming from the u.s uh canada or is it even coming offshore from europe and russia or i don't know where else um is there, can you, is, can you give us an idea of, of where the lumber is coming from and kind of percentages? <clears throat> percentages are tough. I don't have those handy, but uh, trend wise, Robbie, certainly less and less production coming out of Western Canada daily. From a historical standpoint. Correct. Yes. If you look at the year to year data, you'll see that there has been actually, we are seeing more product come in. Um, we saw some, obviously, a big shift here recently because of the lack of transportation out of there. But sorry, Ken. I no, 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 you're totally correct. And also an investment by those traditional producers in those regions into the U.S. South, where the yes. fiber basket really of the future is. Yes. Um, European lumber has been strong coming into the United States. Um, so that's definitely been a, you know, they love the price, the, the U.S. price of lumber. For without a doubt, so it's definitely been uh, Austria, Germany. Um, those are our two mm -hmm. kind of biggest importers of European softwood lumber, um, right? Or even uh, South American panel products come up to the U.S. very often, um, you know. So I would say the the trade seems very fluid in both directions. Our product leaving the country and and imports coming from others. Okay, and. Um, that's interesting. How, how do you think the lumber products, um, do we, do you have an idea if they track well with the other building materials? I, I asked this before, but I, I, I'm asking because um, I deal with, with energy primarily, energy codes and, and whatnot. And everybody's asking me, you know, or telling me that these newer energy codes are increasing the price of housing. And it seems to me that there's a lot more out there that's increasing the cost of housing than than energy codes, and particularly it's the you know this this disruption in materials. And I, it, it doesn't seem to me that it's just lumber; it's it's all these other products. Do you have any insights on um, on how lumber might track against or with uh, the other products that are used? in housing? That's a tough one to nail on the head, for lack of a better term. I would say in general, right, if I'm working with a customer 
for example, we don't sell windows or doors, right? That's not something we do on our floor. But I would say the the constraints in supply chains across industries like that parallel, right? Yeah. Labor stuff, transportation stuff. Um, certainly, if it's not being made domestically, getting it offloaded on a shipping container at a port that's 60 vessels deep can be tough at times. I think that... Um, that certainly that's lumber as well right the, they're being shipped in containers and yeah not. so it's container shipment and break bulk yeah i think you hit it i mean no pun intended the nail on the head robbie i mean um if you can find something that's cheaper than it was a year ago i i like i can't think of it you know i mean it, and as far as building materials and as far as the trajectory and the the line over line with lumber Again, I haven't pulled that data or data and looked at it per se, so maybe that makes me bad and too busy looking at lumber all day. But it, um, I would I would say there's got to be a direct correlation. Just using my common sense that that you you've seen that in all products. I mean, I I saw houses being sold in Georgia without windows in it. Right. I mean, because they couldn't get the windows, but um, we got tarp sold from beautiful home, just no windows yet. Yeah. Sorry, to, I might be barking up the wrong tree here, but also the last two years, I can't think of a sexier time to be a house flipper or how many properties have been bought to be Airbnbs or you hear about Zillow is buying up neighborhoods all over the place. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think that was a trend 20 years ago, right? So anyone who maybe had a career path change at the beginning of COVID, maybe has some extra money in their pocket, you know, would like to... Um, exploit or take advantage of or participate in what was a, a, a great housing market, right? I mean, it's to be considered too how much of the the price of the home did get influenced by that, um, that business being kind of a, a new, trendy, sexy business to be a part of. I mean, I, 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 don't, I haven't flipped on HGTV in a while, but I guarantee if you watch tonight, there's three different flip this, this, that, or what shows Right. And that's always been a thing. Right. But um, I'm sure if you called those guys viewership on that's got to be way, way up with what's been going on the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, great. Well, as we wind down here, I think I have two more questions. Um, first, I was wondering, you're you're going to be recording next week. Uh, what are you what are you going to be telling your audience next week? <sighs> Boy. What a what a roller coaster! Um, we're literally recording <clears throat> recording in a conference room, just off the side of the trading floor here at American International. Um, <clears throat> and there's definitely mixed emotions. The overall trend is there are buying opportunities coming up, uh, certainly in the long term, and uh, keep keep a close eye on the short term because of the constraints that we've already discussed. Um, you know, it's very typical for us to tell our listeners. Uh, to keep their suppliers and customers close, communicate to a high degree, and be very, very thankful for the people they're doing business with and for. Um, you know, and I think, <laughs> I think that's consistent regardless of all episodes. In general, I would, I would say we're going to be recording to a tone of um, keep selling as best you can and then be ready for another buying period. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity right now. I think we've seen a lot of settling on prices. Um, I think there's uh, right now, again, I said this is the best supply and demand balance that I've seen in the last two and a half years. Um, mills are running as efficiently as they ever have. Logistics are still a main concern. Um, rail cars out of the east, you know, they, they'd love to sell product. They don't know when they can ship it. Um, when they stack it and run out of room, at some point something's got to give and the mill doesn't run anymore, right? There's got to be a place to put lumber. And if there's no capacity to ship the lumber, then the mill won't run. So the cursors that I see right now, I see more weakness than strength in overall lumber pricing. Um, now, I'm not saying that, that you're going to see two $300 drops in the next two weeks, um, but I think there's an opportunity for buyers uh, to get a better value on lumber than they could have potentially this week, depending on the item. Um, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing good balance, but I also feel like the customer, based on the model that 
the overall majority is playing right now the just-in-time model and it's working to some to 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 their uh, uh, it's working for them so if it's working and they can do it and it's they're getting more aggressive pricing than they have over the say the past six months they're gonna stick with that um, that's why I've touched on this earlier we're still in a very volatile emotional state and if you have some news breaks on this that or the other it can create a reaction and the, the market has moved in a herd like mentality so when the herd is laying and they're rested and they're they're together we see this flattening softening in the market when the herd is moving they tend to move together at the same time and that's when we see these big influxes in demand and all of a sudden again from a logistical portion we don't have the infrastructure to support that and so people get caught um, and then they all get caught at the same time and I'm not saying in every market because every market is different but I would say that has been a more consistent theme over the past couple of years than it ever has been at least in my you know decade plus of trading lumber wow okay that's uh, very insightful. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's end with uh, maybe a little round robin, uh, more personal question for each of you to answer. Um, what from your kind of history and the path that you've taken do you think has most influenced you and in what you're doing today uh, to try and move your industry forward and our industry forward? Do you want to start, Molly, or? Yeah, sure, I can. I can do that. This um, is a softy, Robbie, at the end, an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great. Oh, there's so much, especially especially in my my role now. Um, you know, so I I actually have a bit of a passion for safety personally, um, just because that was one of the first projects I worked on with SBCA was helping build what was our operation safety program, and we are actually about to embark on. Uh, revisiting that whole process and safety in the structural building components industry all over again. Um, so I think that that's something that, you know, even though I've moved to a role that's certainly more management related, um, I still I still really like to roll my sleeves up and be involved in that part um, just because there's some really human um, human wellness that goes along with that. And I think, you know, if I could point to um, one part of my personality or my, um, you know, my person, I guess. It's just the desire to make sure people are healthy and happy. And so that that really fits in with what I enjoy. And I would have to say that's probably a big part of it for me, um, for sure. Very cool. Yeah, it's certainly sages from my desk. Um, you know, from what, what uh, the constraints and headaches I see in the building sphere is very much why I built my business around component manufacturing, whether that's trusses, roof or floor, wall panels. Um, you know, I can't count how many times as a little kid you're driving to school and, you know, you say, wow, that building came up over out of nowhere. Where'd that come from? Right. And back then I didn't know, but come to grow and find out that that's because of offsite prefabbing and, and um, you know, improvements to the, the supply chain process. And, and um, so I think that's a, that's an important piece of what I do here at American and something that I know Justin also is extremely, you know, even more involved in than I am really is, is training the young folks and onboarding new young talent into our industry. Um, you know, you can walk in any, any building themed office across the country and it's probably going to be 30 to 50% gray hairs in there, which is a style I think is super cool. Rocking it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and there's so much wisdom to be passed down and learned. You know, and that's why we really, we call our training program an apprenticeship program, really, because getting hands-on and learning directly from people is the best way. And I think as an industry in general, uh, there is a need for young people. There is a need for talent, um, you know, and new ideas to be coupled with the wisdom and experience, you know, that does exist in these offices across America. So, um, that's something else I'm excited about. And I know Justin yeah. also has a passion there. Yeah, no, for sure. Kenny kind of stole mine. Um, but I, I just, again, we work in such a unique, special industry. And I work for an amazing company. Um, 
and I got the opportunity to share the wisdom that I've garnered over the years. And I get to be a part of the infrastructure of America. And that is cool. And I really dig that. And I love working for a company that gives back. Um, we do a ton of that. But I, I think ultimately for me, I, I get a, an extra boost. Selling lumber is great. But the relationships and the people that I get to spend my day with, both physically here um, and then the people that I get to talk to with over the phone, um, that's why I get. That's why I come to work. It's for others, um, and I and I and I enjoy trying to give back and share the knowledge that I've gained over the years um, with again that like Ken touched on that younger generation to um, make sure that we stay the course and keep our industry cool. Wonderful. That's that's great. I really, really appreciate uh, all of your time today. Thanks so much for joining me on the Buildcast. And uh, I'll have to say, hug your trader, right? That's the There you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll make bumper stickers for you. Yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us, Robbie. It was fun. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of BuildCast, brought to you by BuildTank, Inc. To see show notes and learn more about our guests and other episodes, visit the BuildCast page of our website at www.btankinc.com. Thank you, Ben Sound, for our music and to Ashley Owen for editing it. And you, for your encouragement and guidance in the creation of BuildCast. You can listen to BuildCast on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite platform. If you enjoyed our show and are willing, please take a moment to subscribe and review BuildCast, which will help others find it more easily. Thanks again for listening, and please let us know who you would like to hear next and if you have any suggestions to make BuildCast better. Until next time, be safe and continue to think 0 to 360.